What does your week look like thinking about the one who gave his life for you? Were you excited about meeting with him this week? The one who gives you hope. Did you wake up this morning saying, wow, I just can't wait to communicate with the one who gave me hope. I'm just looking forward to hearing what he has to say to me. So I want to share with you that one thing that you probably need not to miss if you're a northerner, I would encourage you to wait one more week. Uh, The elders are going to be here next week to share some things that God has been doing behind uh, closed doors that we're really excited about. And uh, so I was, there's a group of people that are camping. And so we were talking about telling them that, you know, you really want to make sure you don't miss church next week. And there's going to be a special surprise. So Bauer asked me if Tim Tebow is coming to speak uh, uh, at church on Sunday. And so I, I told him, no, that's not the surprise. But uh, it's just been really neat to watch this God who gives us hope kind of work behind closed doors to open some things and look at some things that we haven't thought about before. Um, so I'm not going to share with you much more than that uh, because I want you to come back. So I'm going to hold on to that. But if you have your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 19. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, as we went through Matthew chapter 19, we saw the crowds last week where the individuals were the, that were moving towards Christ and those who wanted to move towards Christ, they found healing. And then there was another group that were there, the Pharisees, they really didn't want the healing. They had some questions and their questions concerned marriage. And so Jesus said very clearly, it's written, uh, have you not read in verse, uh, verse 4 of chapter 19, have you not read uh, that... He who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore uh, a man shall leave his father and mother and they hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, so that no longer are two but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And then he goes down and asks another question. He's a little bit more specific about sexual immorality. And so I was interested. I got a, a text message this week about marriage. Uh, an individual sent me a, a text message and and I hadn't really thought about this, and he was listening to somebody talk about it, and I realized this morning there's individuals here that your spouse just said, look, I'm done. I don't have anything else to do with you. And you're here, that, and that's just where you are right now, and in your brokenness, I want to encourage you to keep on moving forward. And those of us that are married, it would be interesting of how your spouse would respond to this, but their view on marriage was is, is making sure that we would prove to the other person every day that they made the right choice. So would your spouse this week say, you know what, I really made a good choice in choosing you, or has it been one of those weeks? And your spouse is thinking, "Mm, they need a little help next week. Can you help them out a little bit? Well, I can't. So if you have some time this afternoon, take your Bible, go to 1 John 4, 10 through 16 this afternoon, not this morning, we're Matthew chapter 19. We are loved by the one who gave his life, and that person then rose again, and then that person deposited inside of us a gift called the Holy Spirit. And we can love because we have been loved. Because of what Christ has done for us, we can say, Father, I need your help to love this week. Would you show me what that looks like? And then for those of you that have a diffuser, I would encourage you to diffuse the opportunity to allow your spouse to put what they want in that diffuser. Otherwise, it might be rearranged. So uh, that's just a word of advice that I learned uh, uh, last week. So Matthew chapter 19, I want you to see Matthew chapter 19. I want you to start out in verse 13. Then the children were brought to him, 
that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The, the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs to them the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he went away. If you have some, some time this afternoon, Mark chapter 10 and Luke chapter 18 also gives you an account of these children that are coming to Jesus. What I find interesting is, is there's something going on with somebody that they said, you know what, I just need to get my kids to Jesus. And so whatever mom and dad or whatever's going on in their lives, they say, you know what, let's get, this, let's get these kids over to this Jesus guy. And what I find interesting is, number one, the faith of, of the parents that want to get their children to Jesus. I also find it interesting as you look through Matthew chapter 19, there's so much controversy. There's so many ways people talk about marriage and divorce. But in the middle of this, Matthew just puts in, here's children. And children have this relationship with Jesus that they're just going to be trusting. They're just going to follow this guy around and say, you know what? I, I have faith in you. And so what's interesting to me is, so they've been brought to Jesus. Have you ever wondered why they were brought to Jesus? Sometimes I love to sit with the scriptures and say, I wonder what mom and dad were thinking. I wonder how long those children that were brought to Jesus actually lived. I wonder how many of those children got married and had children. I also often wonder how many of those children didn't really think any more about Jesus. I wonder what he prayed. As those little people were gathered around the King of kings and the Lord of lords, what did he say? What words did he use? And so I can't answer at this point what words he used, but I can give you a passage of Scripture that he says to us, let me teach you something. So take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Um, pick it up in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. I wish somebody would have told some of those people back when I was in church at prayer meeting this verse. Because they heaped up a whole lot of words, words I've never heard before. And I'm thinking... He doesn't talk to anybody else like that other than we're in this group and everybody's going to listen to him. Then all these extra words come out. So that's not what he's talking about. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Who knows? So your Father knows. How many of you went to your Father and asked for help? How many communicated this week with your father? Kind of these were, and I know that you probably could quote the Lord's Prayer to me. You can probably whip it out. And so he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Has there been an opportunity where your heart was reverent before your father who gave his life for you this week? Father, I'm just here to seek your face. I don't have all my list yet, but you've done something for me that nobody else has ever done. You laid down your life for me. I come to you in reverence. Has there been time with you this week where your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Has there been a response in your heart 
where you say, I'm going to humble myself before you. I'm pretty sure if you would have asked Craig about 15 years ago, if he would ever want to come back to America and live, I'm pretty sure he probably would have told you, really not interested. I mean, Cleveland, Tennessee is kind of a neat place, but there's not a whole lot in Cleveland, Tennessee. You know what Craig's had to do over these years? Say, Lord, I'm going to humble myself before you. Because you've asked me to walk a road that I have not said, hey, this is something I sign up. When I said yes to Jesus when I was five, six, seven, eight, I didn't think about Cleveland, Tennessee. And so all of us are probably sitting in here this morning, and there's something inside of us that does not want to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to humble myself before you because of who you are. Because of what you mean to me, I'm just going to say, you know what? It's not my will anymore. It's not even my preference. I'll lay that down. I'm coming to you with a heart of humility. I don't know if that's what he said to the kids. I don't know what when he just talked to this guy about divorce and now these children walk up. I don't know what he said, but what I can find in Matthew chapter 16, he told his disciples, pray like this with reverence and response where your heart is saying, you know what, it's not my will. Give us this day our daily bread. I know you have needs today. I'm pretty sure if you ask the college kids, they would like a little bit more money today. Some of them probably could use some help paying off college debt. They don't even know how they're going to finish. And they're only kind of, you're getting ready for the most fun of your life, summer camp. Woo! They'll be like, whoa, at the end of summer camp. But need opportunities for ministry. And they're going to walk into summer camp with full excitement. They're going to get halfway through summer camp saying, God, not even a Pepsi can help me today. I'm so tired. Or coffee or whatever it is. God, you gave me this kid. What's wrong with this kid? Why didn't you give him to that other counselor? You put him in my cabin. And then they have to do another part of summer camp. They have to fill out evaluation for every kid. How do you evaluate a kid in seven days? Troubled, troubled, troubled. No, that's not true. But all of us sitting here, we have daily needs. We have things that we can't fix. So we say to your father, before you've asked him for your daily needs, say, hey, here I am. I'm here in reverence to you. I'm humbling myself. Okay whatever you want. Here's my needs. One of the things I love about the end of this, and all this I've learned over the years with Daniel Henderson, forgive us our debts as you also forgive our debtors. I know you all love forgiveness, but forgiveness is very hard for every single person sitting in the building. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, fight for us. Father, I don't know how to help that kid at summer camp. Father, I don't know how to help my neighbor. Father, I don't know how to help my son. I don't know how to help my grandchildren. Father, I can't help my spouse. Father, I can't even help me. Would you do something inside of me, Father? I don't know if that's what he prayed, but I'm pretty sure that he didn't pray that morning. Lord, I'm pretty sure Jesus wasn't saying, yep, all these kids are going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. They're going to have no issues, no troubles, and they're going to live till they're 70. Pretty sure he didn't pray that. But you know what's so sad? The majority of people sitting in buildings in the United States of America called church, that's what they're praying for. Lord, I don't want to have I don't want to have to go to the doctor. Lord, I don't want to have to have any issues. 
I don't want to go through to learn perseverance. I don't want you to test my faith because I'm a whiner. And I just kind of like being a whiner. I'm a whiner for Jesus' sake. But all along, you probably know what we we read in James chapter 1. He provides what? Trials. Why? To test your faith. To develop spiritual muscle. So back to Matthew chapter 19. Probably another part that you're probably really familiar with in Matthew chapter 19 is the rich young ruler. The individual that's going to come to Jesus with questions. So look at your Bible in Matthew chapter 19, starting in verse 16. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Something should be in your, your subconscious saying, something isn't right with this question. Because it really has nothing to do with a good deed to inherit eternal life. So that should strike your interest just there. Something good? Salvation is by faith through grace. Nothing good. You can't earn salvation. So that kind of sparked my interest. Teacher, what good thing must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only Only what? Who is? So you realize something? There's only one person that didn't have sin issues. You know who that is? Jesus. So as this rich young ruler walks up to Jesus and said, hey, what good thing must I do? Hey, there's only one. So that means every single one of us sitting in this building are sinners. We're not good. That's not who we are. And until we as individuals come to the realization of this, by faith, kind of like a child saying, you know what? I have sin. Don't bump your neighbor. Don't think about your children or your grandchildren. But there's only one thing that's going to do, and it's not good that will help you inherit eternal life. It's salvation by faith through the cross. It's Jesus plus nothing. You can't add anything else to it. So as this rich young ruler is coming to Jesus, he wants to know about eternal life. And Jesus answered his question. He's going to answer his question. Look what Jesus says to him. He said to him, which one? Wait, at the end, I'm sorry. There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Huh. He said to him, which ones? Which commandments? Well, he's going to give them to him. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. On your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all of these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you were perfect, go sell all your possess and give to the poor. And you... We'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Is that interesting to you? So we know something about the young man. He is very wealthy. And so Jesus is going to step into his world and say, all the stuff that you depend on, all these earthly treasures, you know what I want you to do? I want you to give those things up and I want you to follow me. 
Now, what's interesting in this passage of Scripture, I'm pretty sure this young man didn't have that, but what's interesting in this passage of Scripture, when the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Sorrowful. You ever wonder why he was sorrowful? Because now this young man is faced, is he going to give up his stuff? If his stuff is going to be his priority, or is eternal life going to be his priority? Now, I'm not going to jump up and down and go crazy. I'm not saying that you should not have a Ferrari. I'm not saying that is wrong. But what's interesting is these next words from Jesus. And Jesus said to his disciples, so the the rich young man went away. We do not know if five or ten years later the young man says, you know what, my stuff is not worth it. I'm selling it all, and I'm going to go find that Jesus, and I'm going to follow his word. I, I don't know. But he spoke some things to his disciples. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Look at verse 25. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? You find that interesting? I find that really interesting. I find it interesting that you have this whole Matthew chapter 19. In the beginning, people are being healed. Then you got these Pharisee that walks in, and Jesus explains some things to the Pharisee. Now you have children that are coming to Jesus, and and Jesus is laying his hands on them, and he's praying for them, and the disciple says, get rid of these people. And now you have this other rich young ruler that enters into the, who I'm, I'm assuming the disciples said, I'm sure this guy has eternal life. And Jesus says, no. And so they're standing there in astonishment. But Jesus looked at them, verse 26. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So this morning, I just want to remind you of Matthew chapter 6 in verse 19. And I just want to read you some words of Matthew chapter 6 in verse 19. As a reminder, it says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where, rot, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither, rot, neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there is where your heart will be also. I just want to remind you this morning, because I know that all of us in this room are tempted. Well, if I just had this, well, this this is, we're just tempted to look right here right now. Driving down the road, man, that's a really nice house. It'd be, be kind of nice to live over there. That, that house was being destroyed little bit by little bit. I hate to burst your bubble, but there's going to be very few things in earth that you will ever buy that will retain its value. Now, I realize if you buy an older sports car and park it in a garage for a long period of time and let nobody touch it and you don't drive it, that probably will go up in value. And I've talked to Harry over the years. There are certain guitars that he would like to buy, and then he would store them away because they would increase in value. But the majority of everything that you buy decreases the first time that you use it. 
And it's amazing how hungry people are in buildings called churches for earthly treasures. And how small our appetite is for the one who gave his life. So just think this morning. Just kind of work your way through the scriptures. And I want to show you... uh, Something else here. So you keep on going down. Then Peter says to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. What will then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on this glorious throne, you who have, you who have, said Jesus, I've asked for forgiveness of my sin. You who have said, well, you know, I, I go to church. Well, you who have, Well, Jesus, I love you. Is that what he says? You who have what? Followed me. Now, there's a difference. Are you following Jesus? See, anybody can sit in the building and say, yes, Jesus, I love you. The Bible tells me that. You're important to me. But do we trust him? So when the waves get crazy and Craig is alone, He said, all right, Lord, I'm following you. This doesn't make sense, and it probably will never make sense until Craig gets to meet Jesus face to face. I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to cry out to you in my brokenness. See, he's telling us, pretty clear here, hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. He's telling Peter, follow me. We'll also sit at the, th- the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters and mothers or, or fathers or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold, and, and they will inherit eternal life. Look at this last verse of 30. But many who are first will be Last, and the last will be first. So where you have the little coach on the one side, and you have the other coach saying he's finished last, what's he so happy about? Well, he's very religious, Matthew twenty sixteen, The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Wherever you said you wherever you said this week, say, you know what, I will set myself aside for your preference. Wherever you've done something for somebody else, where you've honored somebody else, say, you know what, I'm gonna I'm just gonna honor you today. I don't have to have my way. I don't have to have my preference. I don't even have to have my opinion. So this morning we got a chance to see children. I don't know what he did, but I know when the children came to Jesus, he prayed. So I was thinking about that. What does that kind of look like for you and I today? Can I ask you a question? When people come to you with stuff, how often do we pray with them? I mean, I know your opinions are really important, and I know your thoughts are amazing. 
And I know you're really neat people, but I, I just see Jesus when people came, he said, I'll just, I'll pray for the kids. I'll bless the kids. Here, I'm, I'm just praying. Who's going to come to you this week and have opportunity that you'll be able to say, here's a Bible verse, or here's this thought, or here's that thought, and say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to pray with you. What is it going to look like for you this week as you really wrestle with Matthew chapter 6? Okay, Lord, I'm, I don't need pleasures on this. I don't need treasures on this earth. I recognize that the more things that I have, the harder it's going to be for me to say, Father, I need your help. Because there'll be a temptation to say, you know what? Look at the stuff. Man, I'm important because of the stuff. Yeah, you own stuff. But you're going to have to put tires on it one day. It's breaking. It's going to break down. You're going to have to put a battery in it one day because it ain't going to run. You're going to have to do something to the motor one day because it's going to break. But boy, look at my stuff. So just know that your father can give you all the stuff, but there's a temptation to put your eyes on the stuff. Deflect that temptation. Say, I'm putting my eyes there, the cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. What does he do? He asks us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of faith, who for joy set before him. What did he set before him? Holiday Inn? No, the cross. Because the cross is what gave us hope. So you're going to be first this week or second? Are you going to follow what Jesus did? And he said, well, I... I could be first, but I choose not to. Philippians chapter 2. I could have had this, but I choose to humble myself. Become obedient to death, even death on the cross. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to, to just look through Matthew chapter 19. And there's a lot of stuff in there that we could say, and but we're out of time this morning. So, Father, who are you going to bring our way this week? Will we pray with them? Will we give him sound advice? Will we give him passages of Scripture? Or will we just give him our opinion and preferences? Father, I don't know how many sons and daughters are in here that their possessions are, are a real priority. That their heart is on earthly things. But Father, you know. And so you would just do something in their life to shake them up so they would really stop and think about, okay, hold on a second. Is it possessions or is it knowing the one who gave me the possessions? Is it our stuff or the one who gave his life for us? What are we going to choose? Because you you can't have both. You're not going to have your cake and eat it too here. You're going to follow him or you're not. And I realize today, Father, with you, everything is possible. So I don't know who needs to come to know Christ. I don't know who needs to know all the situations. I just know you do amazing things that nobody else can, can accomplish but you and you alone. And you've done it since the beginning. You created heaven and earth. You created Adam and Eve. You helped Noah survive a flood. You helped Moses lead the nation of Israel out of captivity. You allowed David to write Psalm 23 so we knew who a shepherd would be. Help us to choose you. 
So now, are you going to be first or are you going to be last? Are you going to follow his words and humble yourself before him? Or are you going to say, oh, well, that's just church. So, Father, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would draw us as a family to live in humility before you. That we would follow you. It'll be okay for us to be second. It'll be normal for us to not look at the things of this world, but to keep our eyes fixed on you. And that when you give us opportunity to meet with people, we would just speak truth to them, love them, and then and pray and ask you to do something amazing in their lives. Father, thank you for your scriptures. So now as we walk away from your scriptures, don't let us walk away as, oh, well, Help us to walk away in all of who you are in, in humility, saying, okay, that's what my Father wants, so I need help to do that, so Holy Spirit change you from the inside out. And Father, use FASCAR today so that young people come to know Christ. Bless the Word of Life students for traveling this way. Thank you for Andy and ministry that he does, back and forth with Tampa. And Father, use Craig in amazing ways. As you weave your story of your grace in his family, may you continue to put a hedge of protection around them. So the priority of their lives will be talking about you, Jesus, and what you've done in their lives. And may many, many, many people say, hey, I want to get involved in missions because I see God's grace in your story, and I want that same thing in my life. So raise up another generation of missionaries. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.